Armstrong and Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. We are at a time where I think we may be bending the curve, but we're at a very dangerous time. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he... Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. Caesar, a dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty communications compound. Hey, everybody, today we're under the tutelage of our GM, the great John Prine. Yeah. Although I watched some of his videos, and I think Demi Lovato is a way better singer. And he's got, like, zero backup dancers. John Prine did not have a lot of backup dancers. Almost none through his career. And that's one of those uh, musical artists that you're either super into or you've never heard of him. So for those of us who are super into him, really sucks he died from corona. For the rest of you, I don't know. Check him out or don't. Um. So how y'all doing? What do you think? <laughs> Just persevering. Had the biggest day uh, death total in the U.S. yesterday we've had yet. Biggest death total day of any country that's legitimately reporting their numbers. Thank you. Now, part of that is population. We're the third biggest country in the world and the first two biggest countries in the world. Uh, one of them lies all the time, and the other one is so third-worldy, there's no way they could possibly have the numbers. I mean, right. there are pe- people dying all over India that they, there's, they've got no method whatsoever for getting that information and compiling that in a kind of wannabe hospital in some outpost in India. Well, they're kind of early, too, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. In India, as far as anybody can tell. But yeah, they, when that sweeps through there, I mean, some of those cities, the, the population density is off the charts and the sanitation is also off the charts, but on the other end of the charts. Right. And then and that and then the rural areas, they don't have any way to count that. So anyway. Uh, part of it is our population, but we did have a big number yesterday, and, uh, well, it is what it is. Have you been uh, following the last, it seems like it's really bubbled up in the last 24 hours, this argument over, uh, as Britt Hume said on Fox News yesterday, I don't know if we flattened the curve, but we certainly flattened the economy. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the argument which has started already of whether we overreacted and why and who's to blame and what caused it. And I, I didn't think this would happen until later, but it's already happened. You know, that's funny. I ran into that in my real life in a way I hadn't anticipated yesterday. Um, a couple of people brought it up. Just look, it's like a bad flu year. We got to get back to work. This is, this is terrible. We're killing ourselves here. So yeah, that, uh, that sentiment is absolutely out there. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a couple of things that will definitely drive that conversation. If the deaths are much lower from, uh, you know, we, 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 we did what we were supposed to do in that lowered the deaths, or it turns out not to be as bad as we thought, and there'll be no way to know that. And if the economy is devastated for a long time to come, which is probably true, um, and that's going to grow in legend as a conversation. Don't you think? Right. Yeah. Well, and that's and we've been saying this from the beginning. The difficulty of this thing is that if we do what we're currently doing, we will avoid a number that we will never know. Yeah. We will never know what would have been. Uh, you know, it reminds me of the old uh, argument from uh, Tim, the lawyer, for instance, that uh, we never know how many jobs weren't created because of government policy. 
And so we'll never know how many lives were saved. And so, yeah, this argument will continue the rest of our lives, whether it was handled correctly or not. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth looking into and talking about in case we ever have another one of these come along. That Wall Street Journal number the other day, 60,000 stores have shut down in the last two months. 15,000, they think, will never open again. That's amazing. Uh, that is not to be taken lightly. No. And, uh, you know, and that's just stores, not to mention restaurants and, well, everything else. Right. I, I don't know. That's a heck of a thing. Well, and the other side of the argument is you go back to the various models that show X number of deaths. Well, those models are of, you know, questionable reliability. Let's, let's take them at face value for now. Now, some of those in that University of Chicago economist study we talked about said it would cost us, uh, what was it, eight trillion dollars not to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the deaths and misery and and the rest of it. So I don't know. I don't know either. Um, it's above my rapidly shrinking pay grade. <laughs> oh, that's the not funny. Economy takes a crap. Pardon that, me. That Sorry. is not funny. It wasn't intended to be. Um. <laughs> well, not exactly. What do you think of this argument? So Dr. Fauci threw it out. The idea of uh, people that die with Corona are considered a Corona death. I don't. It's, I don't it's get like that. the idea of prostate cancer. Way more people die with prostate cancer than of prostate cancer. Um, you you die of something, and it turns out, oh, you had that also, but that's not what killed you. If if you had coronavirus and you get hit by a bus, I don't think that should count. Mm-hmm. But if you are if you die of pneumonia because your immune system is overtaxed or just out of whack, because I think that's it's fair sure. to count that. Sure, but they're currently counting anybody who dies with coronavirus. Like by a, hit by a bus scenario. Well, yeah, I don't think it's a lot of being hit by a bus, but there's a lot of people. The that buses die. ain't running. A lot of old people die every day. I'm not always. trying to be annoying here. I come by it naturally. But what if I have prostate cancer and the coronavirus? Which one gets the credit? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good question. But a lot of old people die every day of just, you know, random c- accumulation of things. So I don't know. Or of being old. Yeah. I mean, uh, John Prine, back to the legendary singer, I think, you know, uh, this COVID-19 definitely pushed him over the edge. He he was on one lung and had half of his neck from two different bouts of cancer that probably should have killed him at the time. So, I mean, he was, uh, he was, he was a guy, you know, in pretty rough shape. Although he had a tour scheduled, so he probably would have gone on that if it wasn't Corona. I don't know. Uh, all this fits into the model of did we overdo it with the economy thing? And uh, I don't know what other people's lives are like, but uh, we're looking at our own personal lives, and the 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 bad economic news seems to be coming on a daily basis. Hey, here's another thing you hadn't thought of, uh, economically wise. <clears throat> I got to check in with my small business friend to see if he's received any any word from the government yet. Because uh, I know that's a problem for a lot of people out there. They've got another $300 billion something or other they're looking at passing this week to try right. to speed up the, the checks that are going out to these small businesses that, uh, again, according to the Wall Street Journal, there's a whole nother round of businesses out there that got this month, and then they're done. So if they don't get their checks in a couple of weeks, then they're done. You know, uh, well, right, exactly. The promise to get the checks, that's starting to come out. The, yeah, we got your app, uh, we hear you, but the actual checks are going to be weeks away, from what I understand. That's rough. Although, I don't know, it's a mess. You know, I came across this, well, one of our alert listeners sent along an itemized list of everything that is in the giant, uh, however many trillion, two, three trillion dollar stimulus thingy, uh, the first one that passed. 
And I'm trying to verify its accuracy. Uh, because if it is accurate, it will make your head explode. Yeah, that, well, that that doesn't surprise me at all. That that was a given, right? The, it's, b- the it's, biggest bill in U.S. history is going to be jammed full of stuff that's uh, both hilarious and horrifying at the same time. Horrifarious, as you call it. Right. What it is uh, mostly is just a gigantic government funding bill. It gives billions and billions and billions of dollars to government agencies. Well, remember that for whole thing? various, uh, you know, rationale. Remember the thing we read last week about the, uh, the 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 House of Representatives decided they could get new furniture and computers and all kinds of different stuff. That's part of the bill. And now's yeah. now's a good time to upgrade all of our uh, all of our furniture furniture and uh, get new tech all the way around. Right. Well, the coronavirus. Left wingers, Keynesians, whatever you want to call them, believe that all government spending is good for the economy. So listen, here, Bureau of Indian Affairs, here's three hundred billion dollars. Just do something with it. We don't care what. That's a heck of a way to. And that goes to uh, manage the taxpayers' cash. And that goes to Indians who are cheating on their spouses. Is that what that is? Bureau of Indian Affairs. <laughs> That's exactly right. Wow. To help them there's, stop or to make them make it easier. There's money for counseling. There's hotel money rooms. for sexy negligees. <laughs> there's money for hotel rooms. They got an alias department, <laughs> an alibi department. <laughs> oh no, no, we're on a conference trip in, in Vegas. <laughs> That'll be two hundred and fifty bucks. The Bureau of Indian Affairs. That's um, right. Let's introduce everybody in the squad to kick off the show. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers, and the light is way brighter in your room today. Is there a reason for that, Michael? Yeah, I just. Wanted to bring up the lights a okay. little bit. So Sean, believes, Sean believes that the coronavirus is killed by fluorescent lighting, so he likes it really bright. But yeah. maybe that's Michael, don't go toward the light. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, a little behind the scenes. We're using FaceTime to communicate, and uh, but I'm looking at myself, and I really don't like the way I look. As far as, you know, you can see each other on the camera. And oh, we got the little square, and I'm filling up too much of that square. Okay, you know. so that's your complaint? There's something about, I don't know, just the, the, the technology or my particular phone, but my red nose is five times as red if I Zoom or FaceTime or anything like that. So I just, I just, I can't do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little red in uh, real life, Chris well, Kringle. Oh, well, I, I know. Mean, I that's mean. why I said my already red nose <laughs> right. is like a red light bulb <laughs> on FaceTime. Uh, and it's just, it's uh, awful. Are there any Apple engineers who can help Mr. Armstrong adjust his tint? Red eye? How about red nose? The Rudolph <laughs> problem. There's got to be an app. You're so, it's so light in your room there, Michael. You look angelic. You're like backlit. Glowing. Okay, I'll bring it down. I don't want to look angelic. (laughs) There is positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Uh, Doing very well, continuing uh, my sheltering in place at Chateau Relaxo 2.0. Things are going well. Uh, Did the recent supply run. Many thanks to the the listeners who gave me some guidance on on what I need to be looking for if I want the actual teriyaki sort of topping for my chicken and rice bowls that I've been making a bunch of. During my most recent supply run, I found... Uh, uh, a true version of it. It was delicious. Had it last night. And uh, it seems if, you, if you're just looking for a quick version, there are some of them that have like sesame seeds that are kind of floating at the top of the bottle. Those are the ones you want. Oh. That's the stuff that they got at the teriyaki bowl. Okay. Uh, you know, little little $5 bowl restaurant things. So if they got this little sesame seeds floating on top, I think that's the one you want. Yeah, we've had a number of people at text with suggestions because the teriyaki stuff that we get is just soy sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Sean, you're making the home version of something that costs $5 in a restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bon, my, bon appetit. my sweet spot. <laughs> uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Wednesday, April 8th, the year 2020. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. 
Here we go. Officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations, the show begins at Mark. If people want to wear a mask, that is okay. It protects others more than it protects you because it prevents you from breathing or, or, or speaking moistly on them. Oh, what a terrible image. <laughs> Don't speak moistly on me. Say it. Don't spray it. Stop speaking moistly on me. Oh, oh God, you're speaking moistly today. <laughs> how, does, how does mailbag look? Speaking oh, it's, it's moistly <laughs> on them. <laughs> it's uh, fine and dandy. A lot of uh, good humor and insight, and everybody's uh, doing their best to stay sane. And it's next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That's probably a decent separate conversation to have. Maybe you can text about that at 415-295-KFTC. The whole how you look on Zoom or FaceTime. Are you pleased with that? Or is this bringing <laughs> well, to light some uh, un- unpleasant realities that you'd been ignoring? <laughs> the lighting and the angle mean everything. Just absolutely everything. Not if you have a nose like Rudolph. It's bad no matter how you do it. Yeah. I don't know, maybe the back of your head, if you had to look at that. I might do that. I'll just hold it up chest level. You can look at my T-shirt. Mailbag. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day from Benjamin Franklin. Most of the quotes recorded uh, from old Ben are from poor Richard's almanac, and they have much more to do with self-help than um, governance or that sort of thing. But I do like them. From poor Richard's almanac, 1756. Man, I hadn't realized there's a rich poor Richard's almanac going back to 1739. Wow! Wow, there's one from 1733. Fifty, 50 years before we uh, had a federal government. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, in, 10, in 1739, he writes, "He that falls in love." Oh, that's not even a good one. Uh, my favorite from 1756: "Love your enemies, for they tell you your faults." Oh, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. They're not always right, obviously. And sometimes they're vicious bastards. I'd like to see them dead. This was sent along by Jeff. It's a freedom-loving quote of the day from none other than Oscar Wilde. Excuse me. Uh, The bureaucracy is expanding to meet the needs of the expanding bureaucracy. Nah, good one. Good one, Oscar. Good one. Uh, How about, uh, oh, open up our country. Writes Kathy, don't be fooled. So many California hospitals are empty. She's Californian, apparently. So empty that my hospital pharmacist's daughter, my hospital nurse sister-in-law, and my hospital nurse friend have been told their hours will be cut, and they all work at different hospitals. What is going on? We need to open up our country now. This is such a tough decision. Older sick people can self-isolate. Make America work again. This is such a tough decision that will be debated for decades, if not centuries to come, depending on how bad it is for the economy. But but we can't let the epidemiologists only make the decision. Agreed. Agreed. Because they, I, of course, and, and academics who aren't epidemiologists, but they're in government and they've never had a job, they would keep everything shut down way past when is necessary if they, are, if they only are in charge. Well, I think if people die of the coronavirus, they will be blamed. If the economy dies, the coronavirus will be blamed. Ah, so good point. 
the bureaucrats, uh, you know, they don't feel like, well, I think I explained myself. Uh, on the other hand, I would point out nobody has any immunity to this thing. People are asymptomatic for days, perhaps a, a week or two with it, and it just has the potential to kill people in droves. It's just, it's not like the regular flu. But, uh, you know, where the, the right balance is, I wish I knew. Uh, moving along, here's uh, T. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, seems to me that, oh, everybody's, speaking of California, everybody's trying to figure out um, why California's numbers are very, very low. And there are all sorts of guesses. I read Victor Davis Hansen, a very long and learned column by that great thinker, and he essentially says, yeah, we don't know. We're guessing. Uh, but uh, T says, seems to me that Californians' desires to get the heck out of the cities is what's saving us. The suburban lifestyle, the little green lawns that Governor Brown made fun of have actually saved the day. Mm. Uh, and he says, I'd rather go through boot camp in July again than live in a Petri dish city. Yuck. Mm. <clears throat> this might be my favorite. Uh, let's see. It's from uh, L. Oh, we only have 30 seconds. Ah, we don't have time for it. We have the three and a th- half hours, though. The theme is President Trump is the worst dictator ever. And we'll uh, we'll get to that in a moment or two because it is quite amusing. We'll bring you up to speed on some of the uh, headlines of the day, some of the stats of the day. We're finally going to back out of funding the WHO, which we uh, we were calling for last week. Uh, among Our words th- have been heated. Among other things. Anybody got any tips for being on camera for all your meetings? The Armstrong and Getty Show. We're all obviously occupied and terribly concerned about what's happening right now, but we could be in the first inning of a nine-inning game where we've we've got 18 or more months left until we get a vaccine. And so we have to understand that that's the kind of planning we have to deal with, is getting ready for a long-term transmission situation. So there's one doctor on Tucker Carlson last night while he was making the argument on the other side that uh, maybe we overreacted in the way we're shutting down the economy and got this article in front of me how there is no consensus anymore. Usually there's some consensus on what's going to happen. There is zero right now. Uh, Uh, Baseball games are long enough. This guy's envisioning 18-month baseball games. That sounds dreadful. Terrible. That would be a long baseball game. Well, and I appreciate the baseball analogy because, A, I love baseball, and, and B, it's divisible into nine little chunks. But uh, it's absolutely possible that it could be one of those games where there are seven runs scored in the first, in the first inning, and then a bunch of nothing happens, then they scratch one across in the second. It's just so up and down. Yeah. Um, you know, coronavirus-wise, nothing might happen over the summer. Everybody's great. And then uh, here it comes again in October. Nobody knows. So we had about 2,000 deaths yesterday. That's the highest number yet, uh, bringing our total uh, across the country to about 13,000. Now, there is this the prediction from, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different models out here, but one of the most respected models says April 16th is still slated to be the day when the United States has its death rate peak. Uh, Their model says it'll be 3,130 deaths on April 16th. Well, that's, what, nine days away? Yeah. Um, Now, interestingly enough, because there's so many stats flying around, it's difficult to remember what you heard an hour ago. Right. 
the among the most respected models says today will be the peak day in New York for deaths and use of equipment and everything else. Well, mm-hmm. no, because death is a trailing indicator. So we ought to see in the next day or two a, a, a significant decline in deaths in New York. Uh, if that happens, we'll know these models are at least decent. Uh, yeah, and that would be good news. This I, I thought this was stunning. I saw this tweeted out yesterday. Five weeks ago, which in normal times is not very long, but in the current world, it's a, a lifetime ago. Five weeks ago. No, five weeks ago was at least two years ago, right? Mm, yeah. We had a total of two deaths in the United States from coronavirus five oh. weeks ago. Does that even seem possible? Four weeks ago, it was 26. Three weeks ago, it was 86. So three weeks ago, it was still sub 100. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, 541. One week ago, 3,003. Today, almost 13,000. That's quite the, that's quite the curve. Yeah. Yeah. It's just stunning how quickly this has come upon us. Well, and how it's continued to grow in spite of these just Looney Tunes measures that were all taken. Uh, I mean, I realize unprecedented is a little worn out at this point, but it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's unimaginable that we, uh, the industrialized countries of the world, have done what we're doing. Yeah. And, and we've had the explosion in spite of that. So those of you who are doubters and skeptics and just want to get right back to work, number one, we need your energy. I'm not hating on y'all at all because we do need to get back to work. But, man, can you imagine what that explosion could have been if we were all continuing to speak moistly at each other or whatever that terrible phrase was and, you know, hugging and kissing Speaking and high-fiving? moistly on them. Who, who said that, Sean? That is a Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau. <laughs> Speaking moistly? Speaking moistly on them. Oh, I, boy. I try not to speak moistly. I try not to speak on anybody, regardless of the moisture level. <laughs> there, are, there are only a few people in my life who will tolerate me speaking moistly on them, speak, even for a second. Speaking moistly on them. Ah, that's the kind of leadership Canada craves during these difficult times. Uh, let me wrap up my little bad news segment. Ah, uh, yes, yes, Chief Dark Cloud. Have you ever mm. eaten at a Logan's Roadhouse? I have. I love the Roadhouse, man. That's got some good food there. Anyway, they had 261 restaurants across the country, and they closed them all and fired all of their 18,000 furloughed employees. They're done. Done, done? Done. Oh. Wow. I'm not familiar with them. Uh yeah, they're all over the they're all over the country. Um they're they're they're, they're one of those restaurants that wherever you land in a plane, there's one of those in your town, so Well, as you know, I travel in black tie and Judy and I only stop and eat at restaurants with white tablecloths. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure it's your place. What's but, its uh, Michelin rating, the Getty family asks. <laughs> I'll tell you it's it's Michelin rating is like one of them blo- blo- blossoming onion thingies. <laughs> And uh, and and a volcano cake, and you know all the kind of oh, stuff yeah. I like. An appetizer tower, yeah, exactly that sort of place. Anyway, a burger so big you're embarrassed to have it in front of you. Anyway, yes. trying to go back from the fun to the dark, um, uh, for some reason, um, that 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 happening over and over. Geez, the ripple effects of that. Holy crap! I under I really understand what's driving this argument of did we close down too much, too soon, too hard. And God, I hope there's a way to figure that out for the next time. Because good God. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm worried we have too many uh, epidemiologists and not enough economists at the, the table 
Uh, because as we've, and you know, at the risk of wearing this point out, but I think it's worth repeating, the economy is health to a sure. large extent. Sure. You, I mean, whether you want to look in, uh, look horizontally, if you will, look at your super poor countries. They have crappy health outcomes. You look at the poorer parts of the United States. You have worse health outcomes. You have more addiction. You have more deaths of despair. The rest of it. Uh, the economy is health. So, yeah, boy. And, and, and here's the really great part. We'll never know what we, exactly right. what we should have done. We might have a feeling we went overboard or, or if this thing explodes, then we'll know we didn't do quite enough, but uh, we'll never know for sure. That's, but you know, that's life. Having most of the, having the people that are mostly making the decisions, though, have jobs they can't get fired from. Oh, boy. Is, is pretty, a little hard to take. Yeah, well, during this horrendous, horrendous, you know, episode in all of our lives, and not only health-wise, but economically speaking, and I don't care what business you're in, there there are very few of them that are not just getting punched, like, really hard in the stomach right now, or worse. Um, uh, what was my point? That's funny, I lost my, my train of thought. I started Joe thinking Biden about over here. my financial problems. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so everybody's taking a gut punch and blah, blah, blah. Well, it'll, it'll pop back into my head. And then corn sure pop showed up. And then... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, we diagnosed Joe Biden yesterday. He has this uh, Wernicke's aphasia, we think. Um, which might be a sign he's had some mini strokes or something. Um, he's seems, not getting his words straight, Jack. It seems unfair for a radio talk show host to diagnose a presidential candidate with having had many strokes. I'm not In sure. what sense? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. Well, I was reading from uh, the dispatch this morning. Let me pull that up because it's kind of interesting. Uh, on the on the whole presidential election, they kind of said, oh, hey, by the way, there's a, re- uh, a presidential election going on. And they said, this week, the incumbent Republican president had a 15-minute phone call with the presumptive Democratic nominee, and nobody cared or noticed. Yeah, that's true. It got almost no coverage, and like everybody's, well, whatever, because uh, we got other things to talk about. The Democratic right. National Committee postponed its presidential convention, and it was buried on page A22 of the New York Times. And the, and the only sign that Joe Biden is still running is a weekly podcast that he's hosting from his basement that doesn't get a lot of attention. Well, that, that go around, I think everybody saw through it. And it's good that we're dealing with serious stuff enough that we're ignoring the silly stuff. Uh, the advisors, Trump's advisors said to him, hey, it did make you look bipartisan. And uh, Biden's advisors told him, hey, you got to do this. It'd make you look relevant. I don't think it and made so anybody. They had a 15 minute conversation. I don't think it made anybody look anything. Good or bad, it just didn't. Well, right, right. It was it was for appearance sake. Like Joe Biden, and and listen, I don't hate Joe Biden. I'm not here to badmouth Joe Biden, but like he had some special insight that the president really needed. Come on, please. Mm. So anyway, that's over. <laughs> we got this text. What does the Giselle Bunchen model predict? <laughs> Speaking that's of models nice. that are good models and bad models. Oh, that's a pretty good model. Let me finish. Oh, an, an excellent model. Do you remember when she stomped angrily across the uh, stadium there at the Olympics oh, in Brazil? Oh, those were good times back, was, back when we used to have Olympics. That was a great moment for the Olympics and for modeling. Wasn't she announced as the biggest star of 
Brazil? Is that where, where the Olympics were? Or the the uh, the most important person ever. I can't remember. It was ridiculously inflated. <laughs> Your most important person is a skinny hot chick stomping across the stage? I approve yeah. of this message. What, what kind of country is this? <laughs> An awesome one. <laughs> That's right. It's a good country. Easy. Easy in there. <laughs> so this is the email I started but didn't uh, get to finish. President Trump is the worst dictator ever, writes, uh, we'll, we'll just say uh, L. It's been almost a full month since he declared a national emergency, during which the media suggests is the largest and deadliest global pandemic of our lifetimes, yet he hasn't usurped a single damn power from the legislature, the courts, the states, or even the people. Even amid cries from the mainstream media and the clamoring of uh, liberals on social media to impose a de facto state of martial law, suspending habeas corpus and imposing false imprisonment of the entire population, Trump refuses to issue unconstitutional orders. This sorry excuse for a tyrant has the audacity, uh, audacity to instead call on Congress, state, and local governments to exercise their much more broad and legitimate powers to address this crisis. He didn't even veto the spending bill with all the special interest pork in it and trusted the Democrats in the House to know what the people really want and need. To top it all off, he's actually issued executive orders directing federal agencies to assist the state and local governments in any way they can, allocating money and resources pre-authorized by Congress. He even broke the number one rule of imposing tyranny by helping each and every state, regardless of party affiliation or how much the leaders and people in some states have opposed him openly. If the orange man wants to get his picture in the history books next to Hitler, Stalin, Mao Castro, and the rest, Bernie, he really needs to step up his despotism game. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty good. That's good pushing back against a stupid narrative. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. USA Today has this headline. Some people are having trouble making healthy eating choices during this period. Oh, really? I hadn't noticed that. I'm washing potato chips down with whiskey. How's that? <laughs> After I dip them in chocolate. <laughs> um, exactly. We need to talk. Free food pretty groups. Good. That does sound pretty good. Uh, free food groups. Salt, chocolate, and liquor. <laughs> We need to talk about uh, defunding the WHO. Just like the UN, they really only exist because of our money. And it turns out they're in bed with the commies. Why are we giving them money? Well, Trump says maybe we're going to stop. Also, yes. I also want to talk about the readiness of our military. And it comes out of that story about the, uh, the, the guy in the Navy who got fired. And then the other guy resigns yesterday and that whole thing. It's uh, a bit troubling. Uh, yeah. For a, from a readiness standpoint. L- little floundering. God, I'd say I, I looked. I did a deep dive on that last night, and I've got uh, more to report. <sighs> Some of us are having trouble making healthy eating choices. Don't <laughs> you shut up? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, so we've been screaming and yelling about the World Health Organization is clearly just a bunch of crap. The whole thing pisses me off. Oh, yeah. A gigantic bureaucracy of fat cats who are beholden to dictators. It's just, it's it's disgusting. I'll never understand why we participate in the UN the way we do. And, and I didn't know that much about the WHO, neither did anybody else. But now that we know they're just like the UN... And we're the main funder, it turns out. Surprise, surprise, the only reason they exist and have a building and everybody gets their salaries and gets to fly around the world is because the United States pays for it. And you got a chunk of them that are just freaking communists. So what's the point? Lying communists. Listen, I totally get the 
the PR value and maybe the real value of being just multilateral and reaching out to the world and connected. It's important we're connected with the other countries of the world. But anytime you turn over the, the power for a multilateral organization like that, uh, it, it gets corrupted bit by bit by the various dictators and communists and, and whoever else around the world. And it ends up being either useless or wasteful or, or the tool of the bad guys. It's just the way it is. Unless you police the hell out of it, or as Trump's doing right now, threaten to yank the, the cord. Which he talked a little bit about yesterday. For many years, we've been funding the world, as we say, WHO, the world, health organization and for for years we funded them and and it's probably spending at least 58 million a year but it's much more than that because then we fund some of the work they do which is some good work but we're going to look at it now because every i think every step that they made everything that they said was wrong and always in favor of china keep it open don't close the borders now i didn't listen to them and I did what I wanted to do, and it was a good move. But there were other things, too, where it came from, the extent of it, how serious it was. Uh, they never viewed it as that serious. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things. And we're the one that is the primary funder. And mm-hmm. so we're going to take a very strong look at that. I, I hope he means that because he says that sort of thing a lot. And, you know, that's like a, a mild threat or something. Yeah, well, he really put the squeeze on NATO. That was real. Uh, true. Because um, in the press conference yesterday, actually, he said, you know, we're going to defund NATO, uh, defund the WHO or stop funding them. And then when he talked to Hannity right there, he kind of walked it back a bit to, uh, we're going to look into that. Um, and I wish what he would focus on is that WHO guy that we've been playing the clips of with those lion statistics. Just what the hell is that? Right. You're supposed right. to be an expert, and, you, you, well, we know what's going on there. Well, he spouted the Beijing party line consistently all along, even as the rest of the world was calling bull S on it. And, by the way, this is heartening. I'm seeing more and more uh, journalistic outfits jumping on and saying, yeah, the real figure in Wuhan alone is probably closer to 40,000. Uh, you wow, know, I don't, 40,000. Uh, maybe that's just journalistic uh, herd mentality going on, but uh, I've seen that figure now many, many times. And again, that's that, that city alone, they're thinking 40,000. Chinese is sticking with the report of 3,200 deaths, which the WHO has parroted. Well, yeah, right. And then the uh, WHO saying, and China reacted uh, quickly and uh, decisively and got this under control. And it's really a model for what the rest of the world should look at. All right, whatever. Donald Trump, don't trust China. Whatever. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the, the part that, I mean, this is the death penalty statement. When he called China's response transparent and helpful. Right. I mean, that's for that, his ass ought to be thrown out of the job right now. That's the last thing China was. Unbelievable. Hey, um, I don't know how many of you, of you ever listened to Joe Rogan's podcast. He's, I think, the most listened to podcast in the world, I think. He's up there. He's in the top couple. Yeah, I don't know if it's the top or not, but he's he's known. (laughs) Anyway, he was going to vote for Bernie a couple of months back, but now that Bernie's not going to be the winner, he said yesterday he'll vote for Trump over Biden, to give you an idea. He's a guy all over the map. but uh, So that that made the uh, the Internet explode among people who feel certain ways. 
Yeah, it seemed one of the major things for uh, earning Rogan's vote was going on his podcast. He he really liked Tulsi Gabbard. He liked Bernie oh, Sanders. Really? That makes a big Andrew difference. Andrew Yang, all of which went on his podcast. Ha, yeah, ha, he ha. was in, in, endorsing Tulsi Gabbard at one point. Doesn't that say it all? I mean, <laughs> he's, a, he's a really interesting guy. He's a good no. interviewer. I've really enjoyed a number of his conversations, but I do not look to him for political no, no, guidance. The only reason I bring it up is um, not, you know, as Rogan's vote goes, so goes the presidency, or anything like that. Um, I just—I think it just shows there are a lot of people out there that their 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 voting is not the way pundits discuss voting. You know, the the Elizabeth Warren vote will go to Bernie. It doesn't work that way for a lot of those voters out there. You know, Biden, Trump, whoever—they all they for whatever reason the D or R attached to their name doesn't seem to matter that much. Right. Um, right. It's kind of all over the place and hard to predict. And there's a lot of voters like that. See the Obama Trump voter. Yeah, and if, true enough. And if Bernie had been in the race, uh, you might have had people vote for Obama, then Trump, then Bernie. There would have been there would have been a ton of those voters. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what those people are thinking. Hmm. I'm not They're exactly looking, sure either. But looking um, for a savior. I yeah, don't know. They exist. Hey, just a little more on China or on the WHO. In January, do you remember when the WHO was waffling on uh, declaring the COVID-19 a public health emergency? Oh, right, right. That was, it turns out they didn't because they're saying, well, we don't want to cause a panic. No, it's because Xi Jinping was ordering them not to. And then days later, this Dr. Tedros bum said the Chinese government is to be congratulated. Uh, I left in absolutely no doubt about China's commitment to transparency. Well, that's just that's disgraceful. And if Trump doesn't yank the funding and stick with this, I'm going to be very disappointed. Armstrong and Getty.